Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Deuteronomy. Happy Friday, friends and faithful listeners. And hi, my name is Jen. I am the host here of the Bible Explained podcast. And today is the last time I'm ever going to talk to you guys this year before the new year. I will be back bright and early on Monday morning (laughs) for another episode out of Deuteronomy. Because don't forget, on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I do an Old Testament episode. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I do a New Testament episode. I am sorry to say that there's no easy way to listen to just my Old Testament episodes. And I want to apologize for that. I didn't really think about that when I started the podcast. And um, I was a lot more disorganized back in those days because I was just getting going. And so people have been asking, how can I listen to just your Old Testament episodes that you've done? So I am sorry about that. I'm going to try to organize that for the future, though. But since today is Friday, I'm going to be doing an Old Testament episode for you guys out of Deuteronomy chapter 11. And I'll be reading a really long portion of scripture today, actually uh, 8 through 32 of Deuteronomy 11. So let's jump right in and start reading this. And I'll be reading out the W.E.B. version, as I always do. Therefore, you shall keep the entire commandment which I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land that you go over to possess and that you may prolong your days in the land which Yahweh swore to your fathers to give them and to their offspring, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land where you go in to possess isn't like the land of Egypt that you came out of, where you sowed your seed and watered it with your foot as a garden of herbs. But the land that you go over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of the sky, a land which Yahweh your God cares for. Yahweh your God's eyes are always on it, from the beginning of the year even to the end of the year. It shall happen if you shall listen diligently to my commandments, which I command you today, to love Yahweh your God, and to serve him with all of your heart and with all of your soul, that I will give the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain, and your new wine and your oil. I will give grass in your fields for your livestock, and you shall eat and be full. Be careful lest your heart be deceived, and you turn away to serve other gods and worship them. And Yahweh's anger is kindled against you, and he shut up the sky, so that there is no rain, and the land doesn't yield its fruit, and you perish quickly from off of the good land which Yahweh gives you. Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. You shall bind them for a sign on your hand, and they shall be for frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children. Talking of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and your children's days may be multiplied in the land, which Yahweh swore to your fathers to give them as the days of the heavens above the earth. For if you shall diligently keep all of these commandments, which I command you to do, to do them, to love Yahweh your God, to walk in all of his ways and to cling to him. Then Yahweh will drive out all these nations from before you, and you shall dispossess nations greater and mightier than yourselves. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours, from the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even to the western sea shall be your border. No man will be able to stand before you. Yahweh your God will lay the fear of you and the dread of you on all of the land that you tread on, as he has spoken to you. 
Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you listen to the commandments of Yahweh your God, which I command you today, and the curse, if you do not listen to the commandments of Yahweh your God, but turn out of the way, which I command you today, to go after other gods which you have not known. It shall happen when Yahweh your God brings you into the land that you go to possess, that you shall set the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal. Aren't they beyond the Jordan, behind the way of the going down of the sun, in the land of the Canaanites who dwell in the Arabah near Gilgal, beside the oaks of Morah? For you are to pass over the Jordan to go in to possess the land which Yahweh your God gives you, and you shall possess it and dwell in it. You shall observe to do all the statutes and the ordinances which I set before you today. So this can really be summed up, this entire portion that I read today, with one theme, which is there's a blessing and there's a curse. The blessing is if the children of Israel follow the law and follow God's commandments and love him, that they will be blessed so much. And God talks about what that blessing is going to be. They're going to have grain. They're going to have new wine. God's going to give them rain for the seasons. And he's going to just bless them abundantly with physical blessings of having a um, place of shelter, you know, lots of livestock, lots of grain and new wine and oil and, and trees that produce fruit and all these things that were so important to the people back in those days. Because in ancient days, I'm sure food was much harder to come by, I guess, than it is today with all of our, uh, with all of our <laughs> man-made food that we have here in America. <laughs> Partially man-made food. But, you know, food was harder to come by back in ancient days. So, of course, this was very important to the Israelites that uh, they have a full stomach and that their children have full stomachs. And so God is saying, like, look, if you do the commandments, which I tell you to do today, then you will be blessed and I will give you all these things. I'm going to make sure that uh, the land is well taken care of for you and I'm going to provide you with rain so that your crops can grow, basically. And I also like that in verse 10, it actually says that the land that God is giving the Israelites, the promised land, is so much better than Egypt. <laughs> in verse 10, he says, it's not like the land of Egypt where, you know, they had to plant and and water and do all these things to make their crops grow. Rather, this land that they're going in to possess it's like already done for them, basically. Not to mention like the Canaanites who lived there beforehand would have built cities and built vineyards and, and orchards and whatever else that the Israelites were allowed to take. But not only that, it says that God's eyes were always on the promised land because he loved the promised land. It was like his, his area. It says that God himself tended to the promised land and his eyes were always on it. It says in verse 12 that the promised land was a land which Yahweh or God cares for. And we can see that God often says that, that it's, it's a land unlike any other. It's beautiful. It's well taken care of. It's lush. It's green. And it's a land flowing with milk and honey is what it says. So this promised land is something to behold. And God specifically really cares about the promised land and he loves it. And so it says that uh, when the people go in to possess it, if they do everything that they told God that they would do, because don't forget, 
The Israelites like basically made a verbal agreement that they would follow God completely. I mean, years and years before this, they said, yes, we are going to do everything that God, our God, our Yahweh tells us to do because he is our God. He brought us out of Egypt. We're going to do it. So God's basically like, okay, if you keep up your end of the bargain, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to water the land. I'm going to give you every good thing. I'm going to make this promised land produce so much and you're going to be full is what it says. However, there's another part to this because God had two promises. (laughs) His first promise was, if you follow the laws that I give you, I'm going to bless you. And the second promise was, if you don't follow the laws that I give you, I'm going to curse you. And so that's what it says here. If you move down to verse 26, it says, Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you listen to the commandments of Yahweh your God, which I command you today, and the curse, if you do not listen to the commandments of Yahweh your God, but turn out of the way, which I command you today to go after other gods, which you have not known, it shall happen that when God brings you into the land that you go to possess, um, you know, you're either going to be cursed or you're going to be blessed, basically. So it really depended on the people. If they followed up their end of the bargain, God was going to obviously bless them and take care of them. And it also says that they were going to not just receive this beautiful and good land that God himself waters with the rain from the sky, but they were going to be a mighty nation that other nations feared. This means that the Israelites in their borders were going to be totally protected because other nations aren't going to come in and try to destroy the Israelites and take that land, that beautiful land back. They're going to be afraid. They don't want to take that land back because the Israelites are scary. And so God was saying like, look, you're going to become a mighty nation if you follow the decrees and the the commandments I give you today. And other nations aren't going to want to touch you. However, the curse comes in when the Israelites begin to forget God by worshiping other gods. And in the next few chapters, God is really going to lay out what that looks like. We're going to talk about the different facets of idol worship moving into the next cha- couple chapters and what that really looks like for the Israelite people and how they mixed Yahweh God in with other religions and how they, you know, would set up poles next to God's altar and just all sorts of crazy stuff. So we're going to go into that. So idol worship wasn't necessarily just people bowing down to a completely different God, but just not following God's commands and mixing God in to other religions. That's why it's very important that we do not mix like New Ageism and Christianity together, because really they don't mix. And a lot of times many churches nowadays are trying to mix the two, New Ageism and uh, Christianity together. And New Ageism has a lot to do with like, like self-help kind of, we are little G-gods, all of us, and, and that kind of stuff. And uh, that is anti-biblical. And I'm not saying that all self-help is anti-biblical because, <laughs> I mean, I have written self-help books in the past and have done self-help blogs and whatever. But When it comes to like us elevating ourselves to the level of godhood, which is what a lot of New Ageism is, that is when it starts to get very, very dangerous because God is supposed to be above all of us. But the one thing I truly wanted to touch on today is something that I read 
in Galatians, actually. And if you are going through this podcast with me, the Old Testament episodes, I definitely recommend on your own free time reading through the entire book of Galatians. It's a pretty short read. I got through the whole book last night in about an hour, and that was me like really studying it. So, I mean, it's a it's a short read, the book of Galatians. It's only a few chapters, and it really talks about the law, the Old Testament law, and how for us nowadays, that means you and me, the Old Testament law does not apply the way it would have back in these ancient days to the Israelites. So here's what it says in verse 10, because Paul, who wrote the book of Galatians, is talking about dependence on the law. Because in Paul's day and age, there was a very dangerous thing that was going around where these Jewish people who claimed to believe in Jesus were still trying to force uh, the Gentiles to follow Jewish laws as well as following Jesus. And Paul was saying like, no, don't do that. They are leading you astray. You don't need circumcision to be right with God anymore. You don't need those laws to be right with God. And in fact, if you are depending on the Old Testament laws to be right with God, you're never going to be right with God. So here's what Galatians 3 verse 10, or rather starting at verse 10 says, but those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commandments that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. And that is found in Leviticus 18, verse 5, by the way, where it says that. But moving forward in Galatians, verse 13, it says, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. And then I'm going to move down to verse 19 here of Galatians 3. It says, why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed, and this is a really important verse, I think, the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through the angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Then Paul says in verse 24, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. If you're personally confused about the Old Testament law and whether or not you should follow it, I definitely recommend going and reading Galatians because it talks all about that 
problem, basically, that uh, Christians have. Because, yes, we still have the Old Testament law. We can still go back to it. We can still look at it and learn from it and learn from the history of it. But we don't need to apply these laws in our life anymore because they have been fulfilled. They are over and done with. And in fact, I believe it was in Galatians that Paul says the entire law can be summed up in one commandment, which is to love others. And so, no, I am not under the belief that Christians need to follow the Old Testament law to a T. However, I do believe that we should be looking at the law for what it is. The law says right here in Deuteronomy 11, what we just read, to love God. So, of course, that is a law that translates to nowadays because we know that we have that in the New Testament. We are supposed to love God. And so the entire Bible together gives us a great and beautiful picture of who God is. And that's really the point of all of this. I don't do these Old Testament episodes to try to convince you guys that we need to follow the Old Testament law to a T in order to be right with God. And if I was saying that, I would be going contrary to what the New Testament scriptures have to say about that. Because the New Testament says, no, we don't need the law to be right with God. At one point, yes, the people did need the law to be right with God because Jesus had not come down to earth yet. And as Paul says, nowadays, we have faith in order to be right with God. Our faith in Jesus is what saves us, not following the Old Testament law, but our faith in God. And so anybody who does not have that faith in Jesus, unfortunately, are the cursed people. You and I, if we believe in Jesus, we are blessed. Just like in the Old Testament, the people were blessed when they followed God by obeying the laws. You and I are blessed if we follow Jesus by obeying Jesus's commandments. This does not mean, though, that we throw away the Old Testament and never read it again. Because if we did that, we would never know or understand why Jesus had to come down to earth. Just as Paul says in Galatians, the law is important for us to look at so that we recognize our own sins, because that's what really the law does. It shows us <laughs> it shows us how sinful we are, because if we break even the smallest commandment of the Old Testament law, we are no longer right with God. And we have to do the entire process over. And us understanding our shortcomings is the first step to believing in Jesus, that he is God and that he can save us. Because if we don't believe we need saving, just like the Pharisees in Jesus's day, we aren't going to be saved. We aren't going to want Jesus's sacrifice for us. We're going to think that, oh, we're good enough for us to get into heaven. So the law is important for us to look at, to study, to see where our shortcomings are, and then to say, wow, you know, God, I am off course with the stuff that you tell me is holy in the Old Testament. I'm so off course with that. So thank you so much for Jesus that he has given me this grace that I can come to you. That's something that my pastor told me actually recently that that has stuck with me so much. When we do something wrong, and let's say that we are, you know, doing it for for Christ. Let's just say me. I I lead worship sometimes. Let's just say I go up there on the stage and I'm sitting there leading worship and totally just like basking in the applause that I'm getting. 
instead of like focusing in on Jesus and who I'm worshiping, I'm like receiving all the <laughs> the worship myself, I suppose. When I recognize that I have done that, that doesn't mean I don't go back up on stage and never sing again because, you know, I, I did that that one time. I sinned that one time. No, instead you say, wow, God, you know, I, I was not worshiping you that time. I am sorry for that. I'm sorry for what I made worship to be. And I'm going to do better next time. Then you go up on stage with God's grace and you, you know, you do it again. <laughs> and hopefully you do it better the next time. And that's something that my pastor said that was really like eye opening to me about grace. Recognizing our shortcomings is so important because that is the first step to getting right with God. Because we go to God and we ask for grace and we say, I'm sorry, God, for being so off course with everything. Please give me grace. And I apologize and I'm going to do better next time. But going back to the Old Testament here, does that mean that God did not have grace for the Israelite people? Certainly he did because <laughs> we're going to see how many times in the future they just were failing and failing and failing and God just kept rescuing them. God kept forgiving them. God was just... He was also like not punishing them very quickly at all. It would take a really long time before God would punish them because he was always like, come back to me. You know, I'm going to do this. If you don't come back to me, come back to me. So God has expressed grace throughout the entire Bible. And it's we want to look at the Old Testament and be like, oh, God is so mean. God the Father is so mean. But no, he's so gracious. But the law is important for us to recognize that we need his grace. We need God's grace. And without it, we would never be able to get to heaven on our own. So after recognizing that we have grace and that we have shortcomings, the next step is to just follow Jesus, to love Jesus, and to thank him for the sacrifice that he made for us. So friends, we are going to be talking more about uh, God's grace moving forward in the Old Testament and actually the New Testament also. So thank you to everybody who is continuing to tune into the podcast, both for the Old Testament and the New Testament episodes. It's been a great honor to be able to serve you guys with this podcast and I am so thankful to everybody who has been tuning in and listening but faithful listeners check out all the links in the bio of this podcast episode because you're going to find a lot of stuff that P40 Ministries does including the YouTube page including the Facebook page and the website and whatever else and all the other things too so please go and check out all those links you're going to find my contact information in the there also so if you have a prayer request please shoot it my way but guys I'm not going to talk to you until next year so i hope that you have a wonderful <laughs> hope you have a wonderful new year's eve and new year's day happy listening and god bless